usually when we start October, I start a sermon series all about healthy, holistic kingdom relationships entitled Cuffing Season. Now that's a real thing. From fall all the way until February the 15th, it's called Cuffing Season. It's when people feel as though because the holidays are here, because it's getting cold, I need a boo thing. And so what God has placed in me to do, I did it 2020, 2021, and 2022. If I were to do it this year, it would be Cuffing Season Volume 4. And what God was really putting in my heart was, um, could you help my people to stop allowing a season to cause for them to give birth to one? Don't let just because it's cold cause for that to give birth for you being in recovery season for the next two years. But I'm not feeling that this year. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit say, no, stay right here. Stay in voices because why would I add another voice to their life when they don't know mine yet? Oh, we came out swinging. Why would I add another voice to her life when she don't even know mine yet? Why would I add a voice to his life and he doesn't even know mine yet? In fact, if they were able to distinguish my voice, there are certain people that they wouldn't even view as a potential candidate because that's a contradiction to everything I pray for. They don't help you with your holiness. They don't help you with your purity. They don't help you with your godliness. They don't help you with your fast life. They don't help you with your prayer life. That's a contradiction. If they knew my voice, they wouldn't even be attracted to that. You don't understand, Pastor, they, they, they different. No, okay. <laughs> Came out swinging. Just four minutes up. How long have it been? Four minutes? <laughs> yeah, uh, they're not different. You just keep choosing the different names that have the same characteristics of previous people that you asked God to remove from your life. I don't know why I'm feeling this. Some of us, this is prophetic for somebody. You're not in the wilderness. God is not trying to teach you something. It's not that God blocked that because he has better. You're dealing with the aftertaste of your choices. Well, I'm just in the wilderness. God has separated me. No, this is what it feels like when you are trying to navigate through life apart from God's hand. This is what it feels like when you're trying to force something to be God's will that he said it's not. So we need biblical sound teaching to help us to be able to distinguish the voice of our good shepherd from a wolf's howl. The voice of our good shepherd from the voice of fear. The voice of our good shepherd from the voice of bitterness. Why would I add somebody to your life right now? You don't even know my voice. That's like for the unmarried. For married in the sacred sanctuary, watching online in the overflow. The reason your, your, your marriage barely has a pulse, the reason it's suffering the way it is on life support is because in your covenant, the voice of God and the word of God is seen as a suggestion versus a command. It's getting quiet, bro. You see that? <laughs> Not holding a record of wrongs against your spouse, that's just a suggestion. You don't know them, God. You don't know them. That, that's just a suggestion. Me respecting him, that, that's just a suggestion. That's old school. Nobody does that anymore. It's just a suggestion. And maybe that's the reason why our marriages are suffering. Divorce is used every single time it gets hard. 
that D word pops up. We can divorce. We can quit. I thought you wanted me. Yeah, the, the, the I want wore off. <laughs> Please hear me, family. You are either growing up or getting older. And what we're striving to do here is to help you grow up. You could be a 70-year-old fool. You're getting older, but you're not growing up. And you could be 20, 22 years old and growing up in your spiritual growth because you recognize I need Jesus each and every day. And reading the scriptures is not just something I do on Sunday. I have to surrender my life on Monday. I have to surrender my will on Tuesday. I need them every day. So, Father, in this moment, would you allow us to have hearts that want to grow up? Forgive us for casual Christianity. We'll stay up late and watch Colorado State, but won't stay up and read the Word. Throwing interceptions in real life. Forgive us, Father, for being so lazy with our faith. And I pray, just like I prayed in private, I also pray in public. Anoint me as your oracle, the soundtrack, the PA system of heaven, because if you aren't glorified, all of this is done in vain. We're asking that you breathe on our encounter. We don't want just a program or a service. We want an experience. For somebody who has not surrendered their life to Jesus, prick their hearts with this word so that they'll lay down their life, wave the white towel of surrender, and God take over our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you shout in the room, amen. amen. Are y'all ready? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> the reason I've been preaching so passionately is because I recognize that substance sustains. Not hype, but substance. Substance is what's going to sustain you when you face loss, when you face a pandemic. And church family, as we begin the cruise line of our sermonic journey of this preaching presentation this afternoon, I really do believe that the weight that has been placed on me, the assignment that God has given me for this particular moment with this sermon is to shift our perspective, especially our perspective of people and church people. Ooh. Church people, shift your perspective. Somebody say shift. Shift your perspective. Shift your perspective. A shifted perspective is when, regardless of what you face, you truly believe that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. That's when I shifted my perspective. When I believe that, it's like, okay, God is really telling the truth. When you have a shifted pers perspective, even when it's something hard, your mindset is, this is going to work together for my good somehow. Even when you're facing loss, your perspective is, this is going to turn out for my good somehow because I love the Lord and I know he's called me for his purpose. Shifted perspective. Shifted perspective. Glass half full, glass half empty. No, how about this? 26% of the world don't have access to clean drinking water, while 46% of the world don't have access to basic sanitation. So it's not glass half full, glass half empty. It's you got water. Some people don't. Thank God to drink it. 
shift your perspective. Somebody say perspective. Well, when, when is God going to send me one? You know, when is God going to send me a husband? I mean, I'm working out. I'm, I'm intelligent. I, I, I'm just wondering, God, when are you going to send it for me? Shift your perspective. What if it's God loves you so much that he's not forcing you to, to sift through a bulk of counterfeits? Nobody's coming to me. Maybe I don't want you to have to sift between a bulk of counterfeits. And I need you to have precision with hearing my voice. If you feel like God is speaking and then he goes silent, he's speaking and then he goes silent. It's like he has you on a seesaw. It's because he's teaching you, I need you to have precision in this next season. When I say stop, I need you to be so precise with hearing me, you know how to stop. And when I say move, I need you to be so precise where you can move. I need precision for where I'm trying to take you in your singleness. Because if you view your singleness as a prison, every guy or every woman who is interested in you, you will view as a bail bond. Get me out of this. Get me out of this. Shift your perspective. It's just so hard what I'm going through. I'm in a dark place right now. At midnight it's dark, but technically it's a new day. Shift your perspective. Shift your perspective. Man, I just, I'm not getting any calls. There, there, there are no open doors. I'm not getting any opportunities. It's like, right now, God just has me on the back burner. Okay, if you're on the back burner, at least you're on fire. And it's better for you to be unknown and on fire for God than for you to be known by many but not known by God. Shift your perspective. Your perspective. Some of us, you're not in a bad season. You just have a bad lens. The quality of the lens determines the quality of the picture. Maybe I've just been looking through a bad lens. I came here this afternoon to shift your perspective of people, especially them, them church people. Because <laughs> church people are a mess. I don't do church people. I cut them off. Let's speak from that thought. Let's speak around that subject. For part eight of our Voices series, church people are something else. I want y'all to say it like how my mama would say it when something stinks. Can I get y'all to go, mm? Yeah, church people, mm? <laughs> they, they, they a mess. I'll cut anybody off. My cutoff game is so strong. Like, I'll come to church, but I'm only going to watch online because church people... I won't come to church. I'm only going to watch online because church people are messy. I, I, I don't do church people. I'll cut anybody off. I'll cut you off. I'll cut your mom off. I'll cut your daddy off. Don't touch too much on streaming online, Pastor, because I'll cut you off. I, I'll cut you off. My cutoff game's so strong, it should be my hobby. Who's next? <laughs> Who's next? I walk around with scissors. Here's a question. Do you walk around with scissors or a sword? Scissors trauma gave you. Pain gave you. Betrayal gave you. The sword of the spirit is what God gives you. See, and the danger with us being a people who have swole cutoff games is you won't be able to discern the people that God brings in your life to put you in a spiritual gym Versus distractions that you choose to entertain. Because everything that's hard, ooh, we label everything toxic now. 
everything that's hard, that's toxic. <laughs> if it's uncomfortable, that's toxic. When it could be, God is sending certain people to expose your toxins. And when they expose your toxins and you see how much toxicity is in you, you'll blame them for bringing the toxins out of you when really God could be using them to show you that has to go. That has to come out. And we won't be able to discern the people that God is sending in your life to put you in a spiritual gym that's to help you grow in your faith versus distractions that we choose to entertain. And this is what I'm learning rather quickly. If you lack grace with you, Every person you encounter is going to be forced to inhale the secondhand smoke of your gracelessness. When you lack grace with you, everybody. This is why Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 12, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Church people are something else. Maybe you don't recognize they need grace as much as you need grace. Learn to be gracious to you. Because that will affect how you're gracious to others. Be gracious to you. There are parts of you that are still detoxing. Just like it's parts of them that are still detoxing. Be gracious. There are parts of you that are unlearning. There are parts of you that are transitioning. There are parts of you that are, that are becoming. There are parts of you that take time to bloom. And the same way, if that's what you need, why don't we think other people, see how quiet it is, need the same type of grace church people are something else I don't do church get messages all the time I don't do church pastor flowers I watch your church online but I don't do church this is gonna cause a lot of unfollows what I'm about to say for you to say I don't do church what you're really saying is I love Jesus but I don't like his wife Mm -hmm. I can't imagine any good husbands, emphasis on good, good husbands in the room. If somebody were to say, hey, we're having a couples event. Jerry, you can come, but your wife messy. Leave her at the house. I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> what was that? Run that back, bro. <laughs> say it one more time. I didn't hear you. I don't do church people, so you don't do Jesus' wife. I don't have to come to church. I am the church. Okay. So what you're saying is, Jesus, we good, but who you love and die for, I don't fool with that. Your lady I got problems with. Your wife is trifling. I got a problem. With now, any good husband, how would you feel? If somebody was bad-mouthing your wife, shift your perspective. I don't do small groups. I don't do communities. Church people are too messy. Despite, like, I know all of Tanisha's mess. She knows all of mine. With God, is different because he's perfect. I know all of Tanisha's flaws. She's still my wife. I know all of her imperfections. She's still my wife. I know all of her shortcomings. I still love her. I still cover her. I still spoil her. I still love on her. I'm still gracious to her. 
because that's my wife. And Jesus is like, I know the flaws of my bride. I still love her. I still cover her. I still want her. I still serve her. That's my wife. Ooh, we're going to have to plow through some religion on today. There's a stronger statement. You cannot be a biblical Christian and hate church. You cannot. No, you don't need to come to the building, per se. This is just a building, 10355 Mills Road, Houston, Texas. That's just a building. When all of us come together, it becomes a church house. You understand? So all of us together are the church, but each one of us individually are the bride of Christ. Collectively, we make the body of Christ. Is this making sense? To have a problem with the body, to have a problem with church is to say, Jesus, I don't need your wife, but I need you. I need you. You can't be a biblical Christian and hate church because that's to say, Jesus, I love you, but hate your bride. Let's look at this since y'all looking look at me kind of cray-cray. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. I have to plow today and I have to teach this. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for him. No, this is her, right? Gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and present and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Here it goes again. He who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves the church loves Jesus. Y'all didn't catch it. He who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves the church is because of your love for Jesus. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed it and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. It sounds like I'm talking about marriage, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. <laughs> you can't hate my wife, but then love me. Give you more Bible. Revelation 21, verse 9. One of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues to come, said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Regardless of how you feel about my church, and I do, and I'm going to break this down throughout the sermon, everything that claims to be a church is not. Can I say something real strong? Some of us aren't dealing with church hurt. We're dealing with cult hurt. You mislabeled it. No, I got church hurt. You got cult hurt. Not, not church hurt. Have to plow through this because I'm recognizing a lot of us can't hear the voice of God because of the echoes of pews. <laughs> a lot of people 
who have podcasts and bad mouth the church don't go to one. They constantly point out the flaws of the body as though the body isn't you too. So my pinky is the cleanest part of the whole body. I can see what's wrong with the index finger, the ring finger, the thumb, but my pinky, I got it right. You can't be a biblical Christian and say that I hate church. And so there, there was these comments that we went through. I made a post on September the 8th asking what are some people's, dis, like, why are you so disenchanted with the church? And it was a long list. If you go back, there are over 1,600 comments now. It's still growing. I'm like, I posted that two weeks ago. It's still growing. People are still comment, commenting on it. And that's why I had Will come through. We can give a different perspective. And I was just looking at some of the comments again this morning. Somebody said, church people are too messy. It's too much drama. I love Jesus, so I read my Bible and stream your church online. Somebody else said, the church is filled with single mothers, and all they care about is my money anyway. When they took up three offerings, I knew it was time to dip. Okay? Somebody else commented, have you ever had a church breakup? The people spread rumors like we're back in high school. Somebody else made a comment, I'm done with church due to the judgment of the people and jellyback pastors. I said, not jellyback. <laughs> people comments. Church people, something else. <laughs> People's comments. All right. Uh, I'm turned off because these last two comments are ones that Will and I tackled. I'm turned off because the same people were falling out every Sunday but never changed. I'm turned off due to too much watered-down preaching and feel-good sermons. If I wanted to be entertained, I would go to Deaf Comedy Jam. Okay. So th these are people's comments. You know it's real when a brother's talking to me. I feel you, bro. <laughs> I'm done with church, but I want us to consider something that Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 3. For about the next 15 minutes, this is going to get real uncomfortable in here. But I'm being obedient to what God told me to say. John chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you about to wash my feet? Jesus says, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Please highlight that verse. Because if that verse is not as clear as it needs to be on how it is walking with Jesus, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Stop trying to make sense of what God is doing while you're in it. Because right now you won't understand because you're in it. It's once you get out of it, then you'll understand it. God puts you in classes, and you don't know that you were in class until you graduated. After you graduated, you're like, oh, I was, God was teaching me something. <laughs> no, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I wanted Jesus to laugh when he said that. 
Jesus answered, listen, bro, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is cleaned, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Our clause of concern, our verses of emphasis that we're going to exegete for the next few moments first starts at verse 5 when the text tells us that he begins to wash his disciples' feet and dried them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Please don't miss that. Put a mental bookmark there. He's drying them with the towel wrapped around him. Down to verse 14, when Jesus says, Now I, your Lord and teacher. Somebody say teacher. <clears throat> I, your Lord and teacher. That stood out to me because I'm like, there are a plethora of definitions in the scriptures that we could use in an attempt to articulate who our God is. If I were to go around the room, one person were to say, if you were to ask me who God is, I would call him a protector. And he or she is right because protecting and being a protector is who he is. And then if I come to the left side of the room and say, okay, who is God to you? Somebody will say, you know what? He's a savior, which they're also right because the savior he is. From pew to pew, online comments, overflow to overflow, we will have tons of definitions of who God is. Maybe this is why, like I articulated before, in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses was asking God, whom shall I say sent me? God told him, tell him I am sent you. You can't confine, compact who I am to a am because you don't know what am you're going to need me to be. One more time. You can't confine, compact who I am to a am because you don't know what am you're going to need me to be. For example, on Monday, I may be I am your protector. But then on Tuesday, I may be I am your redeemer. But then on Wednesday, I may be I am your mind regulator. But then on Thursday, I may be I am your keeper. But then on Friday, I may be I am your matchmaker. But then on Saturday, you don't know what am you're going to need for me to be. How about we pause right quick and give God praise for being versatile. For being versatile. That's all right. You need me to be a redeemer, I could be that too. You need me to be a comforter, I could be that too. You need me to be a provider, I could be that too. Sometimes I'm Jehovah Jireh. Other times I'm Elohim. Other times I'm El Shaddai. Other times I'm Jehovah Rapha. You don't know what am you're going to need for me to be. So just call me. <laughs> I am. You looking for pleasure? I could be that too. On my right side of pleasures forevermore. What are you looking for? You can find it in me. I am, that I am tons of attributes that we would say, he's this, he's that. But one that is often underpreached is that our God is a teacher. That's what I'm doing right now. I can't preach, I got to teach it. Our God is a teacher. In fact, during Jesus' earthly ministry, a title that people gave him was rabbi, or rabboni, which means teacher. So watch this. If our God is a teacher... 
And certain people taught you things before you learned his teaching. There's a high probability that you were taught wrong. If our God is a teacher, he says, now that I, your Lord and your teacher, why do you think his first sermon, Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, his first sermon, he kept on saying, you have heard it said, but I tell you. You have heard it said, if a man looks, if a man commits adultery with a woman, but I tell you, if he looks, he's trying to say, you have learned it one way, let me teach you the king's way. So, all of that to simply say this. If our God is a teacher, and you were taught things before you ever got his teaching, there's a massive need of unlearning. I want to try to help you unlearn some perspectives of the church on today. Because somebody taught you something first. I would like to ascribe to you, somebody right now is hurt because of your first teacher to sex. Your first teacher to anger. Your first teacher to what a woman is. Your first teacher to what a man is. And you're suffering till this day. Sound like Deontay Wilder. You're suffering till this day because of who taught you first. Now, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You should wash one another's feet. This is showing us the redemptive plan in action. I want y'all to, don't miss it. Jesus is sitting at the table. He stands up, takes off his outer garments, wraps a towel around him, washes the disciples' feet. Once he's finished, he takes the garment off, puts his garment back on, and sits back down. One more time. Jesus is sitting down. He stands up, takes off his outer garment, grabs a towel, wraps it around him, washes the disciples' feet. Once he's finished, he takes that towel off, puts his outer garment back on, and sits down. Make it make sense, Pastor. In the spirit, Jesus stood up from his throne, took off his heavenly garments, wrapped himself in flesh, took on the dirt of all humanity. And once he said, it is finished, he took it off, rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, and is sitting on the right side of God the Father. Preach, Holy Spirit. Sitting on the right side of God the Father. Now, you know me as Lord and as teacher. And I've washed your feet, so now wash one another's feet. And as I was studying this week, God revealed to me the problem. You know the problem with the church? The greatest problem with the church is we love titles, but we don't love towels. We love promotion, but we don't love towels. We love breakthrough, but we don't love towels. We love a harvest, but we don't love towels. We want abundance, but we don't love towels. We want it to be our season, but we don't love towels. We want abundance and harvest, but we don't love towels. Could it be one of the reasons church is so messy is because it's filled with people who don't love towels? <laughs> It's filled with people who don't love 
towels. Show me a critical person, and you just showed me somebody who doesn't love towels. Show me somebody who's hyper-judgmental, and you just showed me a person who doesn't love towels. And just in case you want to know what towels mean, I got an acronym for you. It is the obedient. Put this on the screen, Carl. I want them to see this. What is towels? It is the obedient washing every leader serves. Towels. The obedient washing. Not suggestive. The obedient washing every leader serves. You want to be great in the kingdom? Wash some feet. You want God to answer your prayers faster? Wash some feet. See, I was thinking about having a customized, like real pretty towel to hand everybody. But I said, no, that goes against it because sometimes serving is dirty. Sometimes serving is not pretty. Sometimes serving, you won't be up here. You might be in the parking lot in the heat helping people park. You might be in children's church helping people with babies. You might be guiding somebody to the restroom. Everybody put your towel up. Towel up. Everybody, you, you should have one. Put your towel up. Towel up. Towel in the air. I feel like we had a concert. Yeah, your towel in the air. How safe would every church look like if when you walked in, it was filled with people who had towels? Now, for somebody who didn't get a towel, you might be like, I didn't get one. Where you get a towel at? Because when you're surrounded by people who serve, you start to want, where can I serve too? Where can I help too? Because it's normal. Put them back in the air. Where y'all put them down? It's normal here to run into somebody else who has been taught how to wash feet. And this is what church should look like. This is what community should look like. Every time you come here, you should encounter people who love towels. This is so good, y'all. People who love to wash feet. And maybe, just maybe, the problem is we're selective with the type of feet we like to wash. Yeah, yeah. Show, show these pretty feet, Carl. And like, we don't mind washing somebody's feet who are real pretty like that. You might not like feet, but you can tolerate that. I could deal with that. But what about somebody's feet who look like this? Let's see, somebody's feet who look like that. <laughs> you lost me, Pastor. God ain't through me yet. <laughs> Don't judge me. Watch this. Watch this. Look. These feet show feet that have not been taken care of. Gosh, I hope y'all don't miss this. Feet are evidence of what you walk through. The corns, calluses, fungus, bacteria, you haven't been covered right. You haven't had protection. This is why I'm trying to get us to understand the duty of every Christian is to wash feet for a living because feet are evidence of what you walk through. That divorce was hard for you to walk through. That church hurt was hard that you walked through that. I'm not minimizing it. That breakup was hard. That layoff was hard. That loss was hard. And this is what hell wants to do. I want you to be hard in areas that God needs for it to be soft. So every person you encounter deals with your hardness. Jesus washing the disciples' feet is symbolic of a spiritual cleansing. 
but naturally. They didn't have like Jordans and, and, and Yeezys or whatever your favorite shoes are back then. They had like, like early Bible year sandals. <laughs> They're walking through dirt, manure, cactuses, corns. The feet of e are evidence of what people walk through. So when we say I don't do church people, he said, I don't do or I don't like helping people who walk through things. And their hardness is evident through their personality. I don't do that. I love you. Hate your bride. Hate your bride. Give you more passages of scriptures on this where we can see this. By the time I'm done, I don't care what you do with this towel. You can put it. Matter of fact, take it to work with you. There's somebody there at your job that gets on your nerves. Take this with you. Let it be a reminder. Why are you always walking around with that towel? Because I got to wash. <laughs> I got to wash. Got to wash. Before you fornicate with your boyfriend again, put this on the door frame of your bed. So that it can be a reminder. I wash you from that. Why are you going back to that? Woo! Told you, Don, they ain't going to like me. <laughs> Wherever you need in, in the car, I want you to remember, once you leave here, this is your assignment to wash. Not to wait until the next time you come together where you can hear me preach or hear whoever preach. Because you should come here for Jesus, not me. And one of my commissions, I'm going to make sure that God, I told your people the gospel truth. And we want a house where it's filled with people who have towels. Because washed people wash people. Washed people, wash people. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Now, when I prepare sermons, I always try to think of devil's advocates to try to combat somebody else's stance on us. Well, I don't understand that. How is the bride clean when all our righteousness is that of filthy rags? Explain that. Right, bro. Make that plain. And as I begin to study, I'm like, okay, the reason she's wearing clean linen is because it's her faith in Jesus that produced fruit. Not, not her perfection. When you come to church expecting perfect people, you're going to get hurt. But it's our faith in Jesus. Prove this. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in the robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adores herself with jewels. So the clothing is our faith and our fruit. Because you can't have faith without producing fruit. Any person who says that they are a follower of Jesus should produce fruit. If they say that they're a follower of Jesus and there's no fruit, they're a liar. All they are is a stick, not a branch. What do we look like saying... I don't do sticks. Maybe you're hurt from sticks, not branches. 
You heard from sticks. Where are you getting that from, Pastor? John chapter 15. Thank God for church that read the Bible. John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Why are we preaching about hell? We don't want to offend people. I promise you, being offended from a sermon is better than being eternally separated from God. Okay. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Why? Showing yourself to be my disciples. I don't do that church. They didn't do this, and they didn't do that, and they didn't do this. Okay, so there was no fruit? No, there was no fruit. Maybe it wasn't a church. It was a stick. It was a stick. Well, I, I just believe all pastors are fake. No, you were hurt by a fake one. We, we don't need no pastor. I can study. Okay, then why did God tell us that he will give us pastors after his own heart if you don't need one? Why would Paul say, okay, the body is filled with many gifts, some for teaching, some, like there's so many gifts in the body. If you don't need us, why are there so many gifts in it? See, and, and the problem is, if I have to use this over my gift, I'm out. I want to show my gift, not wash feet. I want them to hear me preach, not wash feet. I want to get close to pastor, not wash feet. What do you mean by washing feet? Serving. Loving on one another. Patient with one another. When people encounter you, I don't care if you're in Target, I don't care if you're in Walmart, H-E-B. Somebody hit the back of your foot with the basket. Are they going to get... <laughs> They don't get the towel? Or, you know I'm outside of the club and you think, don't. I still got an unredeemed side because, you know, I'm from the south side. <laughs> what they going to get? Your fruit is revealed when attacked, <clears throat> when attacked, uncomfortable, are challenged. Your fruit is revealed. It's in a pastor's conference, and he said, the fastest way I can clean out my church is tell my deacons they don't preach for the rest of the year. They'll leave. Because they want the mantle, not the God man. I said, you said that? I said that. Ooh, okay. The Bible has much to say about feet. Moses, take off your sandals, for the place you're standing on is holy ground. I want you barefoot, no covering. That's Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. Jacob came out the womb holding on to Esau's foot. The way he was birthed was holding on to feet. You know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob came out holding on to feet. That's Genesis, Genesis chapter 25, verse 26. Even in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when it speaks about the heel being bruised, symbolic of Jesus. 
You will strike his heel and he will crush your head. What is head? That's symbolic of authority. Jesus will crush your head and take back the authority that you tried to steal in the garden. Jesus nailed in his hands and his feet. But you don't like washing feet? Now, I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet. You should also wash the feet. Of others. Can I get us to say this just because I could feel this in the room? Can I get us to say this confession as loud as you can? Everybody watching, if you could put this in the room in all caps. Can I get us to say, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you. For, making for making me your bride. Now help me, now help me to, wash to wash others. You're just that good. Just One more time. Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you. For, making me your bride. for making me your bride. Now help me, now help me. to wash others. You're just that good. Mm -hmm. Maybe the problem is the church is filled with people who love titles and not towels. Now, this would be, this would be ministerial malpractice for me to not deliver the other side of it. Because there's this term that we now know, Generation Z, Millennials, Generation X, even baby boomers. I believe baby boomers experienced it harder. This just term wasn't as common as it is now. And that term word is church hurt. The silent faith killer. Church hurt. It's, it's the painful reality. When you claim to be in the army of the Lord, but you're experiencing friendly fire. Like, hold on. You're supposed to be shooting at them, not me. Friendly fire. And to add insult to injury, the person who's shooting at you is the one that you call pastor. Yeah. The, the, the one that you call bro. The one that you call sis. It's like, like snakes don't even hiss anymore. They call you my son. <laughs> they don't even hiss anymore. They call you bro. They, they, they call you sis. Church hurt. Church hurt. It has led so many to the graveyard of secrecy. Because you came looking to be introduced to the cornerstone, but instead they use that stone to stone you. And then you have the audacity to use what I confided in you in confidence as sermon content, and you're preaching about what I talked to you about in small group or, or in a classroom. Okay, you know what? I'd rather conceal my depression than be, be, than be painfully abused by your judgment. Church hurt. Church hurt. Parents don't want to send their children to children's church because of what a pope did. We calling it all out. A priest did. A bishop did. But nobody said nothing because that's the mind of God. Church hurt. Where families are in financial strain right now because somebody says, stand in a $500 line, stand in a, a $1,000 line. If you want the prophet's anointing, you got to get in this line. All that did was make you late on your mortgage. That's it. Or, I don't know if y'all remember this. What about telethons? Where you had this guy on here talking about, this is the prophet's towel. And if you buy the prophet's towel, this has been anointed. Oh, my God. It's been anointed by the prophet. And if you lay it on your head, healing, 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 healing. I speak healing, healing. You buy this towel and you still hurting? Still hurt, hurting? I'm not saying that I don't believe in miracles. But I am saying they're not for sale. Preach Holy Spirit. Church hurt. Or where do we get church gangs from? 
church gangs. My pastor better than your pastor. This is our church. My ch- it's like we have a church mafia mentality. And, and pastors are actually viewing other pastors as competition versus a co-laboring partner. We all wear Team Jesus. <laughs> church hurt. Church hurt. It's not the spirit of Jesus. That's the spirit of division. Hell loves division. Because he knows if there's division, they can never walk in dominion. Maybe this is why we have so many denominations. I love division because unity causes dominion. So I'm going to create denominations. We believe this. We don't. We believe that. We don't. We believe this. We don't. At the end of the day, it's about towels. The cross of Jesus, his resurrecting power, us being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, having fruit representing him, fulfilling the great commission, going out into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what it's about. Not a campaign, not a campus, not a church brand, not a church album. It's about Jesus and his glory and the gospel and his resurrection power. Maybe the problem with the body of Christ is we love titles. Y'all raise them in the air. But we don't like towels. Don't like washing feet. Mark chapter 9, verse 38, speaking about church gangs. It says, now John answered him saying, teacher, we saw somebody who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. <laughs> Jesus said, do not forbid him for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. Your church and my church and your, we all on the same team. We're all Jesus' wife. How, how, what, like, I wish this celebrity pastor era would die. So we got to pick you up in a limo, bro. But Jesus rode in Jerusalem on a donkey. He could have came in on a stallion or a chariot. That would have been like a Bugatti back then. He came in on a donkey. Thrones and pulpits to separate myself from you. i got to have a big plush chair that shows that I'm the pastor, I'm the senior leader, I'm the Episcopal bishop, I'm the superintendent, I'm this. We're supposed to wash feet. So we can't hear the voice of our good shepherd because of bad teaching and hurtful church experiences. Now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You should wash one another's feet. Despite all of the problems the bride has, I do want to make it clear. There's a difference between a cult and a church. A lot of this stuff is cult hurt, not church hurt. But you're never going to not be touched by the flaws of humanity. Because wherever a person is, a problem is. Wherever you're dealing with people, you're dealing with problems. So we're not perfect, but we are the bride of Christ. 
Jesus, I'm thinking like, okay, you're about to die, Lord. You have less than 24 hours to live. And the last thing we see that Jesus wants to do is wash some feet. I'm sorry. If I could be honest, if I have 24 hours to live, I'm not washing feet. I'm making sure I'm in right standing with God. I'm loving on my babies. Might do 100 miles an hour on a freeway on a motorcycle. I'm going to turn up. Might skydive. I'm die anyway. <laughs> Jesus, last is serving his wife. Come here, Miss Flowers. I, I, I want you all to really, really see this. The humility. Think about this, y'all. The most high is on his knees. The most high is on his knees. And I'm sitting there thinking about this. Have a seat right here, Miss Flowers. She's my wife, literally. But I want you guys to kind of see this. Jesus takes off an outer garment. And he's like, all right, I'm about to set an example for y'all. I'm going to wrap myself. He gets on his knees. Look at this family. His last position before the cross is the position of proposal. His last position before he puts a ring on it, is a proposal position. He takes his disciples' feet, washes them. All the disciples are gasping because slaves do this. And we're seeing the Most High on his knees, washing his bride's feet, Cleansing her and saying, if, if I don't do this, you have no part with me. This is not too low for me. I'm modeling to you when I leave here what my bride should do. Now, this is just my wife's feet. And her feet ain't really this dirty, but y'all going to kind of get the, the point. This is one foot. This is one foot. Jesus did it. All of their feet. All of their feet. He's taking on everybody's dirt. What you've walked through, I've taken on your dirt. Well, I pray I fast. Still at the end of the day, your works are filthy rags. Unless you allow me to wash you in my blood. Unless you allow me to wash you with my saving power, unless you allow me to fill you with my spirit, when you stand before me, you will stand before me filthy. This is how many would say, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. Yeah, but you never let me wash you. Last earthly position, I'm taking on everybody's feet. Now, I'm thinking like, this is just me, y'all. Forgive me. If I'm washing Judah's feet, I'm more like, stay still. <laughs> here's, a, here's a question. When you wash your Judah's feet, can they tell that you know that they Judas? 
so good. Or do you wash John's the same? Peter's the same? Do you wash them all the same? You're like, I don't have no problem serving. But that one, though. <laughs> I don't want you to ever forget this. This position we know as proposal. But this position for Jesus is purchase. We've been blood purchased. A lot of my sisters want a man to do this when Jesus already did it. Already did it. And after he has this dirty towel on, takes it off, sits down. Y'all see what I just did? Now go do the same. I, your Lord and teacher, I'm teaching you something. Disciples love towels. And just maybe, just maybe, the church is so messy because we hate them. This is so good. You haven't seen this before. Warren, you help Mrs. Flowers up real quick? Leave my dirty rat. Let me get some points. Church people are something else. Point number one, yeah, we are something else. We're the bride to the king. We're something else. We're the bride to the king. Church people, they're something else. Yeah, you're right. We're blood covered. It's number two. Church people, they're something else. Yeah, you're right. We're also forgiven. Church people, there's something else. Yeah, we're also wanted. This is so powerful, y'all. Church people, there's something else. Yeah, we are something else. We're world changers. Church people, there's something else. Yeah, we are something else. We're anointed. Church people, there's something else. Yes, we are something else. Number seven, we're secure. I'm saved. I'm secured by the power of of the cross and when I stand before God I don't have to stand before him like this a lot of us you know why your prayer life is so timid because you come before God like this you don't ask because you see yourself like this you don't believe because you see yourself like this this is what's blocking us from hearing the voice of God you keep on walking around with your dirt before you so you don't view yourself as a son or a daughter. You come before God like a peasant. When his word says we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Not because of your works, but because Jesus took on our filth. I wanted to challenge us today. Maybe you've been, a, you've been cult hurt. Maybe you can't hear right because you keep on looking at what they did and what they shouldn't have done. Okay, we're not perfect. Before you complain, how about use a towel? Stop picking churches like restaurants. Do they have orange chicken? Do, do, do they have egg roll? Do, do they have this for my children? Do they have this? Go where you're called to go. Not where you want to go because... Maybe I could preach there. 
where you want to go because I heard that pastor on TikTok. That's on my bucket list. I want people to know I went there. Go where you're called to. There's less traffic in called lanes. What you're called to do, what you're called to work, what you're called to fulfill. My prayer. Let this, this church that I'm graciously allowed to serve, may we be a church who loves towels. You're going to run into messy people. You should have a towel. And if you ain't there yet, give them somebody who has a towel. Because say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Is to say, I don't like your wife. God, would you give us a different perspective? Forgive us for viewing the fellowship of the unashamed as a social club, as a place where we could possibly find a spouse. If that happens and it's your will, great, but that's not why we're coming. God, I, I pray specifically for those who are triggered by the word church in general because of their horrific experiences. It wouldn't be like the devil to not try to corrupt something that's designed to wash people. Give them the, the strength, God, to try again. But please, lead them into a spirit, alive, Holy Spirit church, community, fellowship of believers because we are the body of Christ and we're not designed to do this on our own. The only way we can be called an army versus a soldier is we need people. Help us to be in the army of the Lord. We love you and I'm asking for healing. Healing. For everybody who has been turned off due to a misrepresentation of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen.